So hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Wholeness at Smith podcast by your wellness team. I am Beiti, I'm one of the senior CHOs on the team. I'm a chemistry major and a group fitness instructor. And today I'm joined with Kelsey and I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I am the coordinator of programs for student athlete development and enhancement for Smith Athletics. Um, and I'm also a Smith grad. I graduated in 2017 and was a, uh, was a psych major. Today we're talking about movement and the first question I had for us to talk through is what does movement mean? Um, I know it's not exactly the word everyone uses when they think of working out but what does movement mean to you even if it's not working out? Um, I actually like using the word movement as opposed to exercise or fitness or any of that because I feel like it's more encompassing. Um, movement to me is moving your body in any way. So whether that's stretching and, you know, the only movement you can get in a day is standing up and stretching or, you know, sitting on the ground and stretching. Or if it's going for a run um, or going for a walk with friends or doing whatever sport, if you have a sport, um, I feel like it's any kind of body movement. Um, some people might consider meditation a form of movement. Um, I'm not sure, but um, I'm not sure how all-encompassing it is. But, um, yeah, I think it, it's just a general way of moving your body, to me at least. Yeah, it's definitely a flexible definition. Like, I hadn't thought of meditation, but I can definitely see how someone can define that as movement. For me, it's also just like, freedom I don't know like whenever I think of moving after a long day sitting at my desk working or something and I go for a run and I'm just like running around like a wild animal it just feels like so liberating so when I think of movement I think of just like being free in your body and in space as well absolutely yeah I definitely think like taking a dance break and do you know if you've been sat at your computer all day and just getting up and dancing to no music or moving your body or wiggling your arms or whatever it is um, there's definitely a move, uh, an aspect of, of freedom and movement. Yeah. And I, I like, I also agree with you that movement is a better word because most people probably don't even consider how much variety there can be to movement um, when you, you hear the word exercise or fitness, for example. Um, my next question for you was, why is movement important in college? So maybe reflecting back on your career at Smith, your college career, and also your role now at Smith, how do you think movement um, fits in into a college career and why does it matter? Um, I think movement is very important in a college career. And for me, I was on the Smith uh, equestrian team. So there was a lot of movement I've been riding since I was three. So, um, and I also danced for six years and played volleyball and softball. So movement and exercise has been a big part of my life. Um, and I've always found it to be um, the energy outlet after a hard day at school um, or just kind of like what I needed to to check out of that headspace of, you know, deadlines and exams and that kind of thing. Um, it was a competitive outlet for me, but I think movement in general in college, I mean, college, you, I just was having a conversation about this. The college student rarely has only one thing to think about, whether it's school, mm. upcoming exams, relationships, friendships, home life. There's so much to be thinking. Future, like what am I going to do after college? There's so much to be thinking about that you rarely have a moment of like being where your feet are. And I think movement is a really mm. good way to be where your feet are. Um, 
to be thinking. And that's why I kind of wonder if meditation falls in because meditation is about being where you are. Um, but to kind of forget everything else that's going on, move your body, use it as an energy outlet, um, use it as an anger outlet, whatever it is. Some people have a lot of, um, a lot of different uses for it, you know, dance to get, to get out of motion, that kind of thing. But in college, especially also because a lot of college life is salt is um, sedentary. You're, you're sitting at a desk, you're taking an exam for an hour and a half and you're sitting there. Um, you're sleeping to, to rest up to, <laughs> after all the work that you're yeah. doing. Um, and so being able to get your heart rate up and, and do something and that maybe it's social and get that aspect of it. I think it, it should have a, a huge um, asked, uh, like part in a college student's life yeah I love that description it made me even realize like replay all the times when I'm moving my body whether that's dancing or running or lifting weights all I'm thinking about is like the movement I'm doing like I'm absolutely just there all the time and it's so crazy that like yeah we spend most of our day just sitting in the same place at a desk but we're not even there like our minds is in 10 different places so I love like description is definitely accurate I think the the times I'm most present are the times where I'm moving or just focusing on one thing one active thing um I think it's also just important as a way to like you mentioned relieve stress or make it some kind of outlet whether that's a creative outlet like dance a competitive outlet like athleticism or sports and I've noticed that people who are consistent with movement and get the most benefits out of it for the longest time, see it as that kind of outlet. They don't see it as work, which I think going back to the definition thing, defining it as exercise definitely makes it sound like work, mm -hmm. you know, like something you have to do. And if you look at it that way, it's very hard to to, to start or to even get the benefits yeah, out absolutely. of it. And yeah, and I, I, I wanted to ask you, besides that, what other challenges do you think people have to creating a consistent movement routine or just even you know getting started in college because if it's so beneficial why isn't everyone yeah doing I it? think a big barrier is that people see it as exercise and then what constitutes exercise feels hard um so mm -hmm. I think about this all the time with my Apple watch because I can go for an hour and a half walk and it says I exercise for 10 minutes because my heart rate only got <laughs> above what the exercise threshold is when I was going up the one hill um but it was an hour and a half of movement and so it seems mentally or physically hard to get over that hump of okay this is what exercise is and I've got to change my clothes and I've got to walk to the gym or go on a run or this kind of thing um and it, people, you know, college students have so much else to be thinking about. It's hard to get the physical or mental energy to do something that feels that hard. Whereas, mm. this, you know, the athletes that I talk to that are, you know, especially over the winter, having a hard time, over the, especially this past winter with COVID, having a hard time moving. They're like, I just don't have the energy to exercise. And I'm like, you, I, you, I, did I ever say exercise? <laughs> I said movement. You know, <laughs> what body movement are you doing? If that's stretching in your day, that's stretching. That's, you know, you put in the 15 minutes to stretch your body. Um, but that mental energy of, oh, I got to go exercise. feels hard to some people. Um, for some people, it's easy and they love exercise. But if it feels hard, it's, movement seems much more accessible. Yeah, and I've definitely heard that from so many people that 
the first 10 minutes of getting to the gym are actually the hardest part of the whole workout. It's not even actually there. Like once they're there, they enjoy it. But getting over that barrier. And it's crazy to think that we rarely take time to define these things. Like what does movement mean to me? What does exercise mean to me? But that definition impacts us so much. And like you said, if you if you're not defining it for yourself, it's like your Apple Watch is defining it yeah. for you or your coach or whoever or society. And it, it can feel so binary, like the the definitions we give ourselves. Like who says your heart rate has to go above exactly. an X number? Like what? <laughs> That's crazy. But I love that mm-hmm. example. Um and I think especially now you mentioned during COVID, there's even more challenges, you know. And as well, as long as you're always going to see it as a chore, as something you have to get done, as something you have to, and also just the expectation, I think that um, it has to look a certain way. I don't know. Do you struggle with that as an athlete? Have you struggled with that? That unless it's this and this and this, it's not, it doesn't count as movement. Um, I definitely think when I've been thinking of movement as only exercise, I've definitely found that, um, because, you know, if I'm going to the gym, I have this athlete identity in my head that like, I'm an athlete, I need to do this to prove that I'm an athlete. And if I go to the gym and walk for 20 minutes, and you know, power walk or walk in an incline, that is exercise. But to, you know, if I'm only thinking of exercise as a certain thing, or like athleticism as a certain thing, mm-hmm. and I'm only thinking about how people look at me, that might not look like exercise to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely also think, I ride horses and there are some days that like, so, you know, there are two athletes in that pairing and there are some days that my horse is tired and I can't do all that I want to do. And so Mm -hmm. like yesterday I went on a 45 minute walk with my horse and I felt like, Oh, I didn't do anything, but my horse needed that. He needed an active rest day. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you, if you get stuck in what other people are thinking of you or what you, cause I feel like judgment and, self-judgment is usually kind of a secondary outside looking in perspective so if you know you have judgments on yourself but where is that voice coming from did it come from a coach that said you didn't do anything today or your mom that said you know that doesn't count go out and do something else um yeah or like social media where you see like someone else working out and you're like oh it has to look like this and i love that you know you get to see this because you have a horse you get to see very clearly like when your horse needs a break, you know, and it's like, why can't we see that in ourselves? Like, how, why can't we just realize like, oh, no, I'm, I'm really exhausted today. What I actually need is just a 10 minute walk or a 10 minute yeah. stretch. Um, how do you do that for yourself? Like, how do you know what your body? Yeah, needs? I know. I talk about this all the time with athletes, too, because they're like, oh, oh, no, I know that like my teammate needs a break, but I would never get, you know, we do that for everything. Like, I know that I would <laughs> yeah. tell my friend that she needs to have this conversation with her partner, but like, I would never be able to have, like, we do that all the time. Right. Um, and I often tell people, like, what would you say to a friend that came and said that to you? Because um, people come and talk to me about overuse injuries or not feeling like they're doing enough in practice or this kind of thing and having trouble taking rest. And I said, okay, so I'm, I'm your teammate. And I just said that exact same thing to you. What would you tell me to do? And they always kind of look sheepish and then they mm-hmm. say what they know that they should tell themselves. Because, um, I mean, a lot of the times you are your own, you can be your own best friend. Like you can be your own coach. You can be your own teammate in that situation. Um, but we often put so many more restraints and restrictions and qualifications on ourselves than we would other people. Um, so I, I do often tell people to kind of think of yourself as a friend. What would you tell them? 
Yeah, I love that. And I think that's something anyone can use, not yeah. just athletes, right? It's like, try to be your friend or try to be your mom or whoever you talk to and, and tell your problems to. If they heard you right now, would they punish you with a one hour, you know, run? Or would they say, it sounds like yeah. you need a break? Absolutely. So I think even that is a skill, learning to listen to your own body. And I think it's something that comes with practice. I've definitely seen with myself that the but the more you do it, the better it gets. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's a thing that we are almost in any situation taught not to do. You know, the, right. the, um, I forget what people, but like the kind of the oppression Olympics are like, oh, I've gone through more of this or I put myself through more than you do. Or I stayed up until 1 a.m. for this exam and you only stayed up until 11 p.m. or that kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. The stress yeah, Olympics. The stress Olympics. People, we are taught to do that. It's kind of normal in our society, especially in college, um, yeah. to do that. And we are then training ourselves to not listen to our body when we need sleep or not listen to our body when our brain is just fried and I cannot look at another math equation or whatever it is um every action is indicative of something bigger um so it's not just kind of oh this one time i can stay up until 1 p.m or 1 a.m to do this thing you're training yourself to to uh not listen to what your body needs and it's hard to think about that especially when it's stressed yourself because you're like oh no no no, i wouldn't let my friends stay up till 1 a.m but i've got to get this thing done now um yeah and the whole problem with stress is that it makes your vision so short term and short focused. Mm -hmm. And even with, you know, movement, it's like if you're just thinking about trying to reach some kind of movement goal or, you know, change your body in some way, you're looking at it so short term that you're not realizing every decision you make obviously has a long term impact, whether that's staying up past midnight or, you know, choosing to take care of your body in a certain way it really does affect people. And I think that's also why it's so helpful to build those habits in college because you do carry them with you. I'm sure you, you, you still carry the same habits you had. Absolutely. In and I was listening to a, a talk that this guy wrote a book called Atomic Habits. Um, his name is James Clear. Oh, yeah. um, and he was saying, he said it so brilliantly, but it was so simple that short term or bad habits have short term benefits and long term um, drawbacks. Mm -hmm. But good habits have short-term drawbacks and long-term benefits so if you think about like i don't know staying up to watch tv you're like oh short term i get to watch this tv show but long term tomorrow morning i'm going to be exhausted as opposed to like short term mm -hmm. i'm going to miss it but tomorrow i'm going to be you know prepped and ready for my full day of whatever i have going on um and that kind of carries over to anything and so it I find it with like social media. I'm like, oh, okay, I can stay up and like watch this one more video or like scroll TikTok for another however long, which is like, yeah, short term, I get that serotonin boost and, you know, watch funny videos and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Long term, I'm going to be exhausted or I'm not getting the work done that I needed to do. Um, and it, it applies to movement as well. Yeah. Speaking of um, long term and short term habits and goals, summer is coming up. And I know that this is when a lot of people feel pressure to look a certain way. I know we we already covered like comparison and setting your own goals. But what tips do you have for people to maintain a healthy relationship with movement and maintain a healthy routine? Um, yeah. And, and anything you have to add about that in terms of short term, long term goals? Yeah, well? I definitely think. Um, oh, there's a lot there. I think at one level, understanding that everyone, especially with everyone's gone through so much, that's mentally, physically, or emotionally, or interpersonally, everyone's gone through so much. 
that we all have to cut ourselves a break, whether that's like we didn't get the work done that we needed to. So we got extensions into the summer and it's annoying or we didn't you know, move as much as we want, wanted to over the winter. And so, you know, we were worried about the summer, whatever comes with it. Understanding that everyone's having those thoughts and concerns at some level or another. Um, even athletes who have been working out all winter haven't been competing. So they're, you know, concerned about next season and or maybe their summer season or whatever's happening. Um, I think with that, um, what I had to learn about that and like worrying about movement and what I looked like and what other people were thinking is that people don't actually care <laughs> on a grand scheme. Like if I'm worried about not being able to lift as much as I can in the gym or not doing something, I'm like, when do I ever look at somebody else in the gym and say, what are they doing? Or like, what are they lifting? I can lift more than that. Like very rarely, yeah. unless somebody comes up to me and they're like, Hey, can you help me with this? Do I ever actually pay attention to somebody else? Um, yeah. And that, and that, carries over and I honestly think thinking about short-term and long-term goals is going to be really important especially when things seem extra hard so if you you know haven't been moving haven't been moving as much as you wanted to over the winter and you want to start moving again it seems hard to think about the end goal of I want to run a 5k at the end of the summer I want to look like this or whatever it is um it seems so long. It seems so hard, but thinking like, I just want to make sure that I move for 30 minutes, three times a week, or I move mm. once a week or once a day or whatever. Um, thinking about the short goals that are going to get you to that long, long-term goal, but only focusing on the short term. Um, it's much easier to do that. And it's much, it seems much more tangible and accessible to make sure you go on a walk three times a week or make sure that you get up and stretch once a day than thinking I need to look like this or I need to be able to do this by this date. Yeah, and it's also so much more sustainable. Like I hear lots of people tell me, especially, you know, now, whether that's because they feel guilty that they've gained weight over quarantine or they're not at their strength goals or, you know, they're not as fit as they were before. It can feel, you know, challenging to start again with the movement and I always think of it like it's kind of fun to start as a beginner. I feel like there's a lot to learn from a beginner's mindset. You're a lot more humble. You're learning yeah. new things. You you can kind of reform habits again. So I think definitely taking advantage of that, you know, starting over as a beginner is also super helpful. And I think also about the short-term and long-term goals. It's like, yeah, you know, it would be great to whatever get back to your goals for the summer lose weight or start lifting the same weights again but also you know this is your body you're gonna have for the rest of your life so in lots of ways you want to make sure whatever habits you build are sustainable not just for a month or two months but you want to feel yourself you want to feel good and yeah those are hard goals to to aim for but I think definitely they serve you more in the short term as yeah well. definitely I know I I had I you know I'm not <laughs> not above all of this anyway like either I've had the same thoughts of like I've lost so much muscle over COVID mm. that it seems so hard like I don't I feel like I've lost like 10 pounds worth of muscle um and so I'm trying to gain mm. weight I'm trying to gain muscle back and I'm like that seems so hard to put on that muscle yeah. again and, and lift those weights again and I haven't even lifted a weight so I don't know what I'm like down to um but yeah I get stuck in like the why do I even start mindset and that's what I get stuck in most often is that like it seems so hard so I'm not even going to start because if I don't start I then don't have the frustration of not being there um yeah. so getting moving is the, my hard part and 
um, in Atomic Habits, he also start he also talks about the two minute rule, um, which is that if you have a task and it takes less than two minutes, do it now. So you know, in the like smaller sense, if you you know know you have to take out the trash and it's going to take a minute, just do it. Don't put it off till tomorrow morning or that kind of thing. But he also says a lot of tasks aren't. Um, able to be done in two minutes but what you can do in two minutes is start anything um so he tells an anecdote of a a woman who wanted to work out more and you you know you can't do a two minute you can't do a two minute workout but that wasn't her goal um but the two minute part of her goal was to go downstairs go downstairs and hail a cab to the gym and if she could get herself to do that she would then work out because then you're at the gym and you're not gonna you know you just hail a cab Mm. you're not gonna not do a workout um so I've kind of adopted that of like, all right, in two minutes I can stretch. And I know if I've pulled out my weights and my mat and my shoes and that kind of stuff, I know I'm going to lift weights. Or like, I know I'm going to work out, um, yeah. which makes also getting started easier for me at least. Yeah, um, you're, you're so right. Like it's, it's, I can relate to that too. It's always like the beginning that's the hardest part, whether that's getting to the gym, whether that's, you know, starting a routine I think also just yeah our expectations always get in the way right it's always it has to be this way it has to be like the perfect time and especially for those of us who are perfectionists in college with everything it's it's so hard to start but I think definitely lowering those expectations and even reducing it to I love what you said like a two-minute task just that's all you need is just two minutes to you know go on to the Olin website and sign up for, you know, one class or something or text a friend and ask them to meet you. Um, I think it's definitely helped me. You know, I'm sure people on a team can relate to this is like working out with someone else or, you know, going for a walk with someone else. And I think, you know, last week we also talked about connection on this episode and it's a great way to connect with other people too, to, you know, do something that's good for the both of you, but also, do it and enjoy it, you know, get away from that task oriented, hard work oriented mindset that it's so easy to fall into. In Absolutely. College. And I think everything seems so quantifiable that it, you get stuck in the numbers. So, you know, wait, time at the gym, every, like, you know, amount of workouts in a week. Mm-hmm. I, get, I do it too. I probably used examples in this podcast already of, of numbers and, and things. And we don't think about the quality of like, did I enjoy it? Did I have, you know, did I have a good workout? Did I feel like I felt good? Um, did I enjoy my walk? Did really, you know, think about it, thinking about it qualitatively um, takes the pressure off of quantitative goal setting, um, which can get really toxic. It can get really, you know, toxic between yeah. people. If you get competitive, it can get toxic within yourself. Um, so I think also if, if goal setting or movement or any aspect of it seems hard or toxic thinking about it qualitatively as opposed to quantitatively could also really help absolutely um maybe if you have anything more to add on this i know another question people have is okay but how do i stay consistent like i can get myself to go for a walk once i can meet up with a friend once to do it but then it never happens again like how do i build it as a habit how do I make it part of my routine um yeah what tips do you have for people yeah I definitely think um what's going to work for anyone is going to be kind of subjective but I think a lot of the things I usually suggest um one going doing 
exercise or, or, you know, moving with somebody and having, (laughs) we call them accountability buddies, um, but an accountability (laughs) buddy um, of like, hey, can we Monday, Wednesday, Friday go on a 20 minute walk? Or, hey, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, can we make sure we get to the gym? And will you hold me accountable? Um, I think assessing the goal and seeing is it actually accessible or do I want it to be accessible so if working out three times a week isn't accessible with your schedule or your energy level or you know your fitness level once a week is a perfectly fine goal adjusting goals you have to adjust goals even if you're like meeting your goal you have to adjust them to set them somewhere else um, to be able to meet them so adjusting your goals understanding that that's completely fine Um, I also think in general, assessing what's hard about it. So if it's a scheduling thing, if it's, it takes so much energy out of me that I'm so tired for the rest of the day. If it's that I really can't get myself up at 6am to do a workout before class. Is there 30 minutes somewhere else in the day? You know, some people don't like working out after dinner, but maybe an after dinner walk is your movement for the day. Um, do you need to make the the movement period shorter because it takes too much out of you in the day? Is your accountability buddy flaky? <laughs> like, is that the issue? And, mm-hmm. and they can't hold you accountable because they can't hold themselves accountable. Um, so assessing what makes it hard because habit forming is hard. It's hard to form a habit. Um, and so making it as easy as possible for yourself to do so um, and understanding that any habit, any goal needs to be altered. So it's not a failure. It's not it's not an, um, a concern if you need to alter those goals. And I know some people also do habit tracking, which um, I'm a person that likes lists, so I tend to like doing it. But habit tracking, so, you know, using a, a grid journal or a dot journal or any of that kind of thing um, and marking off the days that you get your goal done. So whether that's wanting to read before bed every day or, or going on a walk three times a week um, and marking off the weeks where you do so. Um, and with that, I tend to run with the rule of never miss twice because it is really hard to keep um, to keep habits going to form to form habits. Um, and that's also an atomic habit thing. But never missing twice is like, OK, you're going to miss. That's fine. Like everyone misses something. Don't miss twice. So if you you know, there was one week you only moved yourself once. That's understandable. It might have been a busy week. You might have had too many exams to be able to do so. But next week, you know, make sure that you get to your goal or whatever it is. Um, I think treating yourself with grace is probably a thing that like runs through all that we've talked about. It's okay. Movement is supposed to be for you, not against you. So treat yourself with grace in Mm -hmm. any of this. I love that. I was actually also about to suggest the two, the two day or whatever skip rule. If you're supposed to do it every day, like don't skip more than two days in a row. Or if you're supposed to do it once a week, don't skip more than two weeks in a row. And I use that for um, stretching. So one of my goals is to learn how to do the front splits because I used to be able to do them. And I really want to get back to that flexibility. And, you know, my goal is to stretch 10 minutes before bed every day. I don't always make it, but as long as you know, it's not two days or three days that pass that I skip, then it's okay. It actually in the long term still gets me to that to my goal, which is what matters. And I think being clear about goals is also really important because it's so easy if you don't have a goal to start to, you know, use somebody else's goal as your goal, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So for example, when you first start working out, the goal should be building it as a habit. It shouldn't be you know, getting to certain rep max or, you know, getting to a certain endurance level. It's just building it as a habit. So if you end up 
you know, being really tired one day and you can't go do your normal 30 minute workout, you just have to do a 10 minute walk instead. That's still reaching your goal because your goal was not to max out every day. Your goal was to build a habit. So I think every time you're specific about something and like you said, being graceful, treating yourself with grace, being kind to yourself, then it's, it's, it's not as debilitating. It's not such a burden on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I working with Smith athletes. I mean, I think between being an athlete and being a Smithy or both populations that can be, you know, hold themselves to very high standards and be pretty hard on themselves. And, yes. and that tends to be just kind of the character characteristics of Smithies and athletes. So Smith athletes <laughs> have, have the pairing, um, find that to be really hard. Like I had this goal and I didn't meet it to a T. I didn't do exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I got six of seven things done on my to-do list, but that seventh thing I'm going to be like, I'm going to be really hard on myself because I didn't get all seven. Um, Like that is a real thing that we all deal with. um, But understanding that like, be proud of yourself for those six things or be proud of yourself that you stood on your, you know, on your porch or you went outside into the quad or whatever. And that you just went downstairs and stood in the sun. Um, I, (laughs) speaking of me having these issues as well my mom got me a gratitude journal um for christmas and i've been loving it because you have to fill out three things you're thankful for in the day and it really i know it kind of sounds corny but really makes me think about what am i grateful for in the day and if that's i don't know what was what's the last like random one i did um i think i put down peanut butter as as one like the other day because i just really enjoyed this like peanut butter toast that i had like you just have to find things thankful for and grateful in the day Mm -hmm. um so like the sun can be one of them if you just went outside and stood in the sun and that you know you wanted to go for a walk but you just stood in the sun being thankful for the sun because you still got out in it um you know really kind of remembering that everyone has moments that you're not going to meet all of your goals and that's fine yeah, and appreciating and celebrating, you know, the progress you do make is also just a great way to stay grateful, stay present. Like, I love all of that. Um, one additional tip I wanted to add before we move on about the accountability buddy thing. One thing I've, I've found helps is if you choose someone who you're not going to see in any other context. So if it's a friend that you see every day, it's very easy to just text them before and say, hey, I don't know if I'll make it, yeah. you know. But if it's someone who... You know, you just met them at one, you know, event and you just tell them, hey, I, I'm thinking of or if they have similar goals and you happen to know that from taking class with them or something and you both decide to meet to go to the gym every, you know, two days or whatever, it's going to be a lot harder to skip because that's your only opportunity to see that person. And you're also taking each other a little bit more seriously. So that's just a tip I found. Yeah, out. it's great. I hadn't heard of that one and I love it. I absolutely uh think that's very true yeah okay and then the last question is what resources are at smith for creating to and sticking with a movement routine um that you know of and you know are involved in or just that you yeah um i definitely i don't know since covid if i don't know if it's going to come back but at one point there was a walking group and a running group um that would just like take walks around the river um and would meet at a certain time in the morning and just go for a walk or go for a run. Um, I know that get fit Smith classes are really accessible ways. I know you, you teach one, um, but really accessible ways to grab a friend and go do a Zumba class or go do a yoga class um, and just move your body in some way. That's fun. And there's music and 
um, social interaction as well. Um, I know that we are starting to do right now on Friday mornings and we're going to try to um, implement it in new and more ways, but we're trying to make Olin more accessible. So on Friday mornings, Bonnie May, who's the associate athletic director, gives tours. You can sign up and get a tour of Olin where you can learn about the different machines and the cardio machines and the weight machines and the, you know, assisted weight machines. Um, if Olin seems like a scary, because it, it can be an intimidating place to go into if you don't know the layout of the building or the layout of um, Olin Fitness Center itself. So making that space more accessible so people feel comfortable going in. Um, and we're finding new and different ways to do that as well. Um, I'm trying to think of some other, those are the what's on the top of my head. I'll probably think of more <laughs> at some point. Yeah, um, I'll add a few more and I'll put all those links in the um, description as well for anyone who's interested. We have Get Fit Smith classes. There's also the outdoor adventure group that is hosting stuff outdoors, which now since the weather is nice, you know, it's a great opportunity to get some movement and also, you know, breathe some fresh air. Um, we do also have walks that are happening. We have two more walks that are happening on Sundays um, as part of Smith Walk for Water and also Fun Run Smith. They're both two organizations that host, um, you know, runs or walks pretty regularly. One other uh, resource that I think really helped me also stay accountable my first year was the ESS classes at Smith. There's a very wide um, variety of classes you can take, whether that's weight training, Pilates, swimming, yoga, and they're for credit and you do get a grade. And I know Smithies don't mess around with their grades. So um, definitely a great way to get some motivation and accountability if you're looking for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for filling those in. Of course. Um, well, if you think of any more, you can send them to me and I'll also add them. Um, thank you so much for this awesome conversation, Kelsey. I hope everyone online enjoyed it as well. Thank you for the opportunity. I love talking about movement and, and the, the space to talk about it and the differences between exercise because I don't think we talk about that enough. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure people appreciate hearing it from someone with so much experience as well. So thanks again. Thank you for joining us. We hope to see you back here for next week, next week's episode. You can feel free to reach out to us in CHO Open Hours or wellness at smith.edu or our Instagram, wellness at smith, um, for any suggestions, questions, or just to talk to us about any of the topics discussed today. We will see you in the next episode. <laughs>